welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. My name means life. We are doing a series right now called What Is A Woman? So in the very first one, we talked about the substance that woman is actually made of in the very first and only creation story of woman in existence in the world. (laughs) We are going back so that we can go forward. And the reason for this, you know, it's, you know, my mom, I've mentioned this before, my mom was a sex education teacher. Um, so it's kind of funny that here I am teaching about male and female, and I have this, this passion for life and for babies and family and all of that. But I remember very, very specifically my mom's class when I was in seventh grade. She taught the male biology. She taught the female biology. She taught the growth in all of the stages of pregnancy in the womb. It was absolutely incredible. I'm not really sure how uh, a teacher today could actually teach sex education, it's gotten to the point where it's becoming very confusing that there's actually a plethora of genders that people can choose from. And this teaching that gender is a feeling is really incongruent with Christianity. And when I say Christianity, I'm not talking about like religion or or rituals. I'm talking about actually the word of God, which for us is our foundation. So we're trying to wrap our head around this. And what I have realized in the beginning when I started looking at gender ideology and and the concept of gender identity, uh, I knew something was off, but I couldn't I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. It's taking us time to really wrap our brain around it. Right. And so as I looked at it, I thought to myself, well, that's wrong. You should not put the words gender and identity together. Uh uh-uh. uh, that that's wrong. Um, you shouldn't put sexual and identity together because my understanding of identity is that my identity is who God says I am. It's not how I feel. It's not what I think. It's really what He says about me. But you know what? I was dead wrong about that. I mean, as I've really taken a close look uh, in the Bible of what the Bible says about what it is to be man and woman and male and female and father and mother and sister and daughter, all of these gendered words that we actually have, I've realized, you know what? There is biblical gender identity. There is. We talked about last week how the female, the word nekeva, means to make a hole by piercing. There is uh, some actual physical understanding of what a woman is physically. She's actually like a setting stone. She's actually the female. That name nekeva is like a boundary keeper. It is one who sets the boundaries in the relationship with the man. She's a protector and a guardian of boundaries, and she encompasses and encircles the man like a stone, like a precious stone, the setting of a precious stone. The female is appointed and designated to be a boundary keeper. She is the one who encompasses the man and brings him life. Again, we talked about her being from his rib. The male, Zakar, means one who remembers and acts upon the commands of God. 
It's really interesting that the woman was created in the Genesis story, again, the only creation story of all history that explains the creation of woman. And it is the penultimate part of creation. It is the final act of creation. And, you know, I think it was a pretty magnificent way to finish off the creation of the earth. Um, But it was after, after God gave Adam a command, uh, something to obey that he said, you know what, it's not good for him to be alone. It makes me think about uh, my daughter, in college. And and, and whenever I tell her, don't ever go alone. Don't ever get separated from your friends when you're going out uh, at night. Make sure you guys stick together. It was kind of like that, that when God gave mankind the, the opportunity to feast on everything they possibly could in the garden. When he said, all of this is for you, all of these luscious fruits and vegetables and all of these animals, and you, you, Adam and Eve are to subdue and have dominion over the beasts of the field. When he gave all of this to both of them, um, but backing up before he created Eve, he said, um, you know what, this one tree No. Okay. Who does well with temptation alone? (laughs) The very worst place, right, for an alcoholic to be is alone all the time. That's why they have AA, so that they can go every day so that they can be supported in community and upheld and protected in their relationships. And so mankind needed someone to keep him accountable, to protect him, to guide him, to shield him, to encompass him, to set boundaries, all of that. And so God created the female. This is this is really my issue with the church. And I'll just go ahead and be upfront with you guys right now. By the time I die, I hope this translation of the Bible changes. Because where it says the Lord, he gives the command to Adam and then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. A lot of people say this is like a help meet, a helper corresponding to him. Okay, let's start with what this actual word in the original uh, Hebrew means. In the original Hebrew, it's called Azir or Azir. Uh, Connecto. I generally say Ezer Connecto, but it's. I think the correct present uh, pronunciation is Azer. What is an Azer? Number one, it's very interesting that God would call woman an Azer because it's masculine. It is a masculine uh, noun, and it means one who can aid, help, guard, protect, and rescue. So here we had this feminine word, rib, (laughs) from the feminine part of Adam, from the one who that perceives, the one who can see, the one who shepherds, the one who guides the one who upholds from this sort of emotional side of Adam, he creates this masculine identity of the Azer, of the Azer. What is an Azer? What is that? Or as some people say, Ezer 
connecto. That first word Ezer means does mean help. It means an aid, a help, a guard, a protector, and a rescuer. It's actually the combination of two roots that mean to rescue, to save, and to be strong. Okay? So this is kind of a weak translation to say he needs a help meet. Because the root of the word is one that would save him. <laughs> One that would rescue him. Okay, men out there, when's the last time your woman came to your aid when you really needed help, right? That's basically what what he's saying. And remember, for those of you who aren't married as you're listening, this was for mankind. A woman, the creation of woman, the Azer, is one that would help mankind, that would protect, rescue, and save mankind. So all of you pro-life women out there, I know some of you are pro-choice, pro-choice, but I can tell you that pro-life women understand that our role is to rescue and save mankind and to protect mankind. And, and you know that if you are a mother. Um, so God creates this azir. Let me just tell you some of the other places that you find that word. I believe it's the exact word is 21 times in the Old Testament. Usually the word, I keep saying it differently, azir. I'm trying to change it because I was listening to the pronunciation this morning. I'm like, oh, I've been saying ezer. But every time you see this word azir, in the Bible, aside from the creation of woman, it refers to God. It refers to God. I don't believe that God is in a subordinate position to mankind. Okay, so the Azer is God. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Deuteronomy 33, 26, there is none like the God of Jeshurun, the rider of the heavens in your strength and on the clouds of his majesty. He rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. Does that sound like a weak, subservient creature riding through the <laughs> skies in his majesty in Psalm 70 verse 5 but I am afflicted and needy hasten to me O God you are my azare and my deliverer you are my help and my deliverer you are my sword my shield my help my rescue my strong tower my deliverer who is God where, where do we find our help where do we lift up our eyes to the hills and where does our azare come from? Where does our help come from? So when God says that Adam needs an azare, he's saying he needs one like me. He needs one like me. In every, almost every single instances that we instance, when we see this word, it is regarding God and his relationship to Israel. God and his relationship to Israel was like what? It was like people who needed a savior, not to say a woman is a savior, but it was about a people who needed, which she can be, obviously, a man can be too. But it was about a God, a people who needed to be rescued. They needed to be helped in a way that they could not help themselves. That is the relationship between God and Israel. Let me say that again. 
The word azare means to help someone in a way that they cannot help themselves. And I love this when I'm afflicted and needy. Oh, God, you are my azare. It makes me think of my son when he's sick. When my son, my older son, he's in college. And when he is college in college and he is sick, he calls who? Dad? No, mom. He calls me. He's like, I'm afflicted and I am needy and I need help. I need someone to help me in a way right now that I cannot help myself. And that is what you see over and over again. And let me just say this other thing about Azair that is absolutely incredible and nobody says it. Nobody says it. And I don't know why. Every, almost every other instance, when you see that word used, it refers to God himself and it refers to the use of military strength to come to the rescue of its people, his people. So it refers to military strength. Okay. So God's relationship with Israel is that Israel, Israel is surrounded by enemies and they need help. They need someone to rescue them. They need someone to come to their aid. They cannot do this alone. That is what God is saying. When it is not good for man to be alone, he needs an azar. He needs one who will help him, rescue him, come to his aid as I do God, as I, God, do for my people when they are afflicted, when they are needy, when they are hurting. Now, in light of that alone, in light of that alone, I am really wondering why so many churches for in the West, not, not in the Hebrew teaching, not in the rabbinic understanding, because they knew that woman was an heir. But in the West, we have, in a lot of denominations, we have really messed this up. We have really messed this up. Because not only is woman a name that God uses for himself, but she is essential to his function. Because his function is to follow the commands of God and to live them out. And he can't do that without her help. He can't do that without her assistance. He cannot do that without her. He, she is essential to his flourishing and essential to his mission. Let, let's talk about... Um, so the root words are to be strong and to save. So uh, I think I think that needs to be redefined. My personal thing, at least it needs to be in the notes. I think that um, the second word is also very interesting. <laughs> and Ezer, Ezer, Konegdo, what does that mean? It's been translated to say suitable helper, help meet, one corresponding to Adam, one opposite him, basically. That word, konegdo, has a root called neged, and it means one who is in front of. Okay, I want you to think about this. Think about a man rowing a boat. 
Think about a man rowing a boat. The man is rowing the boat. Okay, and we'll put a picture on the screen for those that you are watching on YouTube. The man is rowing the boat, but how is he rowing it? He cannot see where he's going. But if the woman is sitting opposite him, in front of him, she can do what? She can see what he cannot. Okay, remember that that name, that word, that letter inside of the female is one who can see and perceive and know and know him and respect him, but also one who can look out as to a window and to reveal. Okay, so while the man rows the boat, the woman is sitting opposite him and she is, she can direct, right? So that she can make sure he doesn't go into a cliff. Okay, they're equal, but opposite. Equal, but opposite. Complementary, right, as we know. So the word, the root of Kinegdo is neged, and it means in front of, before your face, opposite to, parallel to, or against. Now, what does that mean? See, they don't put that in the English version of the Bible because they really don't want to say that she would oppose him, that she could actually be opposite to him and oppose him to his face. Azer is one who walks side by side. Connecto is one who goes face to face. And if he's going to go away in which he should not, she's going to oppose him. Okay, that's the connecto. That's the one who goes opposing to him. Now, why would God say it's not good for man to be alone? He needs an Azera connecto because he's going to need one who would oppose him should he go off the wrong way and not fulfill his function, which is to what? To obey the commands of God and live them out. Okay, if you look at the root of Neged, the word neged, it's nagad. Do you know what that root is? It is one who's courageous, efficient, who overcomes, who is vigorous, who is effective, who leads, who tells, who declares, who utters, who reports, who announces, who is a messenger. Oh my goodness. What was the first word that Jesus said after he rose? Woman. One who announces. One who sees. One who perceives. One who leads. One who is courageous. Go. And you know what? She goes and she tells everybody, the Lord has risen. The Lord has risen. And the men don't believe her. And the first chance Jesus gets, he rebukes them. Why? Because Jesus's understanding of woman came from Genesis, not Paul, Genesis. It comes from understanding that the woman would be opposite to him, would be, but oppose him if he heads away that he would not go, and that she would also be a messenger to speak and to tell and to declare and, and, and to announce. Another word is publish, proclaim. It reminds me of Psalm 6811. Many, what is it? Psalm 6811 that says, um, the women who Publish the good news, who announce the good news will be a great host. 
It was a woman who announced the good news the first time. It's not, I'm not saying that women are over or above, but I'm not saying we're under or below. And I think that's really where the church has kind of gotten it wrong, is understanding when you say that you're to be a helpmeet to your husband, it doesn't say at all that you are actually to oppose him when he's going away, he should not. It doesn't say that you are to aid him, protect him, encompass him, bring life to him, and encircle him just as the Lord does for his people. So what is a woman? We've talked about the fact that um, the Spirit of God is a feminine word while God is masculine. So we have this this movement inside of us. We have this breath inside of us. We talked about the female having that letter hey on the end of her name, which is in the last one. So if you didn't listen to the to the first installments of I'm a woman or what is a woman, please do that so that you understand what I'm talking about. But the word female is one that perceives and sees and, and, and knows and, and, and brings revelation. And so when you have a relationship in which that is crushed, you don't have life. So if you look back at the history of where did feminism feminism come from, we had patriarchal churches where the woman's voice was being crushed and therefore there was no life. And so she came out raging mad because she had the hay. She had the desire to announce. She had the higher, the the desire to see, to perceive, to reveal. That's why, by the way, if there's ever a man listening to this, you know what happens if you don't treat your wife well? Your prayers hit the ceiling, the scriptures say. Your prayers will be hindered. Why? Because she's the one that God gave you to protect you, to shield you, to guide you at times, to rescue you, to be in a way a spiritual guide. And, and people might not really like that, but at the same time, I mean, as soon as God gave Adam the command, he said he needed an Azar Konegdo. He needed one who was opposite of him, who would oppose him if he was going the wrong way, who would shield him, who would protect him, who would rescue him, who would save him, who would (laughs) keep him accountable in a way. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean that you do this, you go around Konegdoing everybody. (laughs) You know, I've heard other women say that. It doesn't mean that at all. And it doesn't mean... that it's only in the marriage relationship. Let me just make that 100% clear. When Jesus rose from the dead, the first word he said was woman. And he said it to a single woman named Mary Magdalene. And he gave her the, annou- the, the job to announce the resurrection, to be the one to reveal, to be the one to bring the hay, to bring the announcement as one looking out of a window would do. And she was an unmarried woman. You are women listening. You are an Ezer Kenegdo to all of your relationships. You, he said that that is what a woman is before she was a wife, okay, before she was a mother. So every woman is the one who's there to help, to aid in a military aspect. And that is something that is very uh 
seldomly discussed. So yeah, should women be in the military? Um, yeah, uh, but more so, God's relationship with Israel was that He contended on their behalf. He warred on their behalf. And if you're a woman listening to this today, I just want to say to you, war on the behalf of your man, war on the behalf of your family, contend on their behalf in prayer, right? We know that Ephesians 6 says that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities of this dark world, that our warfare is spiritual and that we are, we are really there, not just to help him out, um, but to also to shield and to guard him and to bring life into everything he does. And that is your role, not only in your relationships with men, but also in your husband, but also in your relationships with your children, that you are to contend on their behalf, that you are a strong warrior. What is a woman? She is a strong warrior. She is a shield. She is a guide. She is a shepherd, she is a light, and she brings life and needs to bring life everywhere she goes. So this was fun today. I love this section of scripture, and we're going to be talking more about it as we go on. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm a woman, and my name means life. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach others with their value, identity, and purpose by making a donation today at yourmore.org slash donate. Thank you again for joining me on the I Am A Woman podcast, where we are reminding women who they are created to be. Remember, I am a woman and my name means life.